I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. The following podcast is designed to entertain and inform. The views and opinions expressed by the guests participating in this podcast are solely their own based on their own experiences and do not represent the views and opinions of the hosts, Erios, Tradecraft Media, and or any distributor of this podcast. How would you describe a typical theme park guest at a Halloween haunt theme park night? Um, a trip to 7-Eleven at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and you're the only sober one in there. That's how I describe it. This is Keys to the Kingdom, Episode 6, The Scarecters. October, Southern California. The golden sun sets and the leaves change from a bright summery green into a paler green. A biting but still pretty warm chill enters the air. It's Halloween and the haunted theme park capital of the world begins to swap out fairy tales for scary tales. Pixie dust for blood and guts. Enter if you dare. Amanda, let's talk characters. The character performers who prowl throughout the theme parks dressed as classic monsters, scary clowns, and masked killers. Most major theme parks host annual Halloween events for guests looking for a good scare. And who isn't looking for a good scare, right girls? <laughs> Famously, these horror nights attract an unruly clientele, and the characters themselves are often just as wild as the guests. But not all Halloween events are created equal. Disneyland's version seeks to set itself apart from the typical fright fest by calling itself Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party. So we'll leave that one alone. Sounds like a waste of money to me. If I'm paying a hundred bucks to get scared, I don't want to leave until my pants are wet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Well, I think Disney's is for babies, so there's lots of people leaving there with their pants wet. 
But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about the big ones. And that's Universal Horror Nights and the longest running theme park Halloween experience, Not Scary Farm. These are legitimately frightening attractions, chock full of horrifying mazes, jump scares, and terrifying live entertainment. So while I love getting scared, I have never performed as a character. Right. And what does it take to become one? First, you have to audition. And here's Drew McQueenie, the former Universal Studios tour guide and character from episode three, to tell us all about it. Can you just really quick tell us about the audition process to play Leatherface? <laughs> yeah, it was um, first we walked in and they just physically put us into different groups right away. And my size, they just put me in a group with the big boys. So I'm standing there. There's a lot of guys who are six foot and over. Then they made us run like a hundred feet. Did they give you notes or they just wanted to do a blind run or did they, they said run scary? What did that mean to you? Were your arms flailing? Or? I lumbered. I just I, I figured uh, with my size, basically, it's just you wouldn't want to be in front of me. I, I, <laughs> I have a bear phobia. So my whole thing is I know I'm physically imposing. So just run like a bear would run at you, basically. But they did that. And then they made us start a chainsaw. A real chainsaw. They had a chainsaw with no blade on it, but they made you start a chainsaw. And were there people there that couldn't do these things oh, yes. that got cut? There were a couple of people that I think when they got the note to run, they had in their head like the Tom Cruise thing. So they're running and it's more like, OK, you're a victim. That's not... <laughs> You look like you're trying to get away. And then the chainsaw thing, it's kind of tricky. And so I had, you know, I grew up in Tennessee and rural. And so I started one. And so those two skills got me the gig. And um, my writing partner at the time also got hired. And he got hired for one of the mazes where you walk through. And his costume was a body stocking, a dance belt, and an alien head. It was essentially like he was naked in a haunted house. It was the most terrifying thing for him. Whereas I'm in like nine layers of clothing and I have a mask and gloves and work boots. When we would get dressed every night, he was so angry <laughs> looking at my costume. Like, look at you, man. This is not fair. Um, they stuck me out in the greens department in a uh, shipping container. They put me on a safety line. So I would listen from inside the shipping container. And when the tram would get right next to me, I would start the chainsaw inside the metal container. So it would reverberate. And then I would start running. And as the tram pulled even with me, I would jump at the tram. And I was on a safety line, so it would just snap me back when I got a certain distance. And I would get, you know, that close to the tram <gasps> with the chainsaw and screams every time. And I ended up winning at the end of the uh, Halloween Horror Nights Best Scare in the Park. Wow. What? Congratulations. Did you get a little trophy or a I got a, no, they just, uh, they give you a coupon for one of the uh, restaurants. What? <laughs> 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 a coupon? Not, oh, I got wow. a coupon. Yeah. <laughs> Working at a theme park during the Halloween season can be a lot of fun. I love Halloween, and I always got so excited at Disney when they started wheeling out the huge gourds. Yes, and I remember being so thrilled when Universal would start peppering their park with severed heads. It just makes me want a pumpkin latte. Here's actor and theme park performer Mark Gagliardi to tell us what it was like for him working at Universal Horror Nights during the scariest time of the year. Mark, give us your credentials. I've worked in theme parks at Halloween in multiple capacities. At Knott's Berry Farm, I did a show called Hacks, which was a short form improv show. And then I spent three years doing the Bill and Ted show at Universal overnight during Halloween Horror Nights. What's the day-to-day -day life like at Universal Horror Nights? 
It's funny to be backstage because all these people whose job is to scare you and then you go backstage and it's Pee-wee's Big Adventure. You got the, <laughs> a wolf man over here talking to a mummy while they're eating raviolis. And you're like, oh, okay, I understand what's happening. But it also sucks sometimes if you want to just as a patron, be like, I'm going to go through this one maze. I got a little time off. I'm going to go check out this one scary maze. And I walked into one and this mummy jumped out at me and he goes, Ugh! Oh, hey, Gax, what's up, man? And gives me like a bro hug. And I was like, man, you're supposed to be scaring me. That's not scary. Did you ever have any strange run-ins with the crowds? Because they could get kind of intense at times, right? Oh, yeah. The nighttime Halloween crowd at a theme park hits different. Physically, punch is different than the daytime people because they do it more often. Yeah, because workers, they would sometimes get hit, right? You hear stories of, you know, people get scared and fight or flight kicks in. And if fight wins, then, you know, they're going to push over a Jason and get kicked out of a park. Those crowds were definitely rowdier, raunchier. You could get away with a lot more with a late night theme park crowd. It's funny at Universal when it creeps in, though, like the nighttime horror elements, they can't break down and rebuild the set every night. So in the middle of the day in October, when all the families with toddlers are walking through Universal Studios and they're like, oh, look, French Street. And there's a severed leg in a wheelbarrow. And you're like, guys, there are kids that come here during the day. (laughs) I did get the shit scared out of me once. It was the year that The Strangers came out. You remember that movie, The Strangers? The home invasion movie with Liv Tyler. Exactly. The three villains with burlap or porcelain masks over their heads. I found myself off the beaten path in Universal Studios trying to get somewhere quickly. And it's completely hazy. And out of the darkness, I see the little girl from The Strangers just standing in front of me, completely silent in a mask. And then... I'm like, oh, no, I'm not wearing anything that denotes that I am an employee of this place. I'm just trying to get where I'm going. There is a scary monster girl in front of me now. So I turn to my left to try to go around scary monster girl and out comes the mom. I was like, oh, damn it. So I'll turn to the right and out comes the dad. And I had just seen this movie and it scared the shit out of me. Yeah, it's It's a scary scary movie. I mean, why are you doing this? Because you were home. That is terrifying. And so they started to close in on me and shame be damned. I just turned around and hightailed it out of there. (laughs) Just full on ran scared at work. Here's someone we've heard from before, former theme park performer, Rebecca Lumiansky. I did a Halloween at Universal Studios and I played a woman with no torso, um, (laughs) (laughs) bleeding out in the Waterworld area and Michael Jackson came through. What? Tell. Yeah, Michael Jackson came through and I did my little shtick for Michael. There was like a shark across from me, like he had just bitten off the bottom half of my body. But I asked to get out of there because I didn't have anywhere to go and people would come by and hit me. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) But Michael Jackson came through and I sang, I ain't got no body. (laughs) And what was his response? He laughed. He loved it. He was with a bunch of kids. Oh, but people could reach you? Yeah, they could reach me. So they would just come by and bat me in the head. I was like, I got to get out of here. So because you were locked into something? Yeah, I was like sitting inside of a box. And then they had this just like torso with intestines and stuff and blood hanging out. And I would sit there and, you know, there was a big shark across from me like it had just attacked me. And people would hit you with their arms and hands or? Yeah, 
they could reach me. They would just first they would poke the bloody intestines and then, you know, obnoxious people would reach out. Oh my I was God. like, you guys got to move me back or get me out of here. I can't do this. What would you say to them when they would do that? Would you in character try to say something or? Yeah, like watch out behind you. I don't I don't really remember that gig. I did it literally maybe three times and I asked them to move me because because yeah. I think that's why like Michael Jackson came through on the premiere when not very many people were there, you know, and he got he got the, the tour through without very many people. And then I didn't complete that job. <laughs> Bridge burned. <laughs> Sounds like working at a theme park during Halloween can be even scarier than visiting one. But imagine being a manager who is in charge of corralling all these horny monsters. (laughs) Here's former Universal Entertainment manager Eric Martin with a story about planning a very special scare for America's sweetheart. For years and years, um, I would work every single Halloween at Universal. And for many of those, I ran the Terror Tram experience for Halloween Horror Nights. (laughs) The idea for this is that you take the world-famous tram down to the Universal Studios backlot. But, you know, rather than, like, snap pictures and smell King Kong's banana breath from your seat, we actually kick you out of the tram and we force you to march through the woods while over a hundred made-up characters, we call them, they leap out and they attack you with... Uh, weapons. Not not where they don't touch you, but it feels like they do. And so in 2010, we were in the middle of our five-day-in-a-row run, like our final run of the season. And basically you work and then you stumble back into the office as soon as you wake up. And, And that day, I go in and my bosses immediately come to my office and they lead me to a conference room. And I think I'm about to get written up or fired. Instead, they say, um, so Taylor Swift is shooting a music video down at the Terror Tram tonight, and we want you to direct a scare experience for Taylor and her band all the way through that they can shoot. This is for her Thanksgiving Day special on NBC. You have one take, so you've got to set this up right. (laughs) So one take, dozens of performers trying to stab one of the biggest stars in the world. What could go wrong? And so I was like, you're going to just let me do this? You know, is anybody else going to be down there with me? And they say, no, just call us and let us know how it goes. Because at this point, we're all really tired. So um, replacing the actors, pointing out where to set everybody, and everybody's, you know, super nice. We're doing run-throughs. It's great. Um, and at the end of this process, I'd created this perfect path, just like meticulously designed experience. We would take Taylor and her band and just send them pinballing from scare to scare. And this is going to be fun. This is going to be great. So night falls, and I'm standing just off the entrance with our producer. The radios are crackling. My cell phone rings. Taylor and her band, they're coming down on the VIP tram. Everybody's in place. We hear the engine, and suddenly, past the hedge, the tram stops, and there's blackness all around. Gates of the tram open. They're just a tight cluster in the middle in one of the benches, and I see one telltale blonde mane between them. They're not moving, and we're all standing in our places, and that's when I begin to realize that no one had prepared Taylor for this. Uh, No one had told her anything about it. The reason they're not getting off the tram is because there are 12 uh, monsters with actual chainsaws standing in formation in front of them. And these are experts. Um, You know, they are uh, they're big, you know, scary people. But finally, they convince them to, oh, no, you got to you got to go through these guys. That's that's what it is. And so they're now inches away from the guys. We're holding. I've got my hand up. And then cue the performers. 
12 chainsaws open up as one. The noise is deafening, but you can somehow still hear Taylor and her screams above all this noise. So they run. They run as fast as they can, but not in the direction that we planned. They run back, they go past the tram, they go into the back lot. They're, they're gone. They ran away, terrified. I'm a dead man. I screwed up. So the crew, they track them down one by one, and they learn that they were under the distinct impression that they were going to be killed. Oh, my God. But Taylor, visibly shaken. So cue the chainsaws again, and they make it through the the opening gauntlet. They're ping-ponging from scare to scare, and then she just, maybe 50 feet in, just crumples to the ground, genuinely freaked out. She's she's not acting. She's terrified. (laughs) And I feel terrible about this. And I'm standing next to, you know, an 18-year-old kid making whatever he's making. He's got a chainsaw. He's hanging back. And there's the biggest star in the world crying at his feet. He's like, what do I do, boss? And I say, just hang back. (laughs) Let's just let's just see. And I, you know, I'm standing there thinking I. I, I, I did this tour. I, I'm going to be fired. I'm going to be arrested. I will never work in this town again. And um, she makes her way up the hill through the actual Bates Motel. There's a lot of Norman Bates's mothers dressed up and uh, you know stabbing at her. Finally, she gets to the door of the actual psycho house on the hill, and we have one final Norman Bates dressed up as mother to you know scare her. But it, it just feels just cruel and sadistic to do it at that point. But she made it. But I, I just felt like a like a jerk because I, I had let Taylor down. I had let America down. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Um. 
That is amazing. And you know, I love Taylor Swift, but I have to say, I'm a little bit like, come on, Taylor, it's not that scary. Ah, sorry to interrupt, but let's cut to an actual recording of Amanda at last year's Universal Horror Nights. All right, Matt. Well, when you edit it all together like that, yeah, it sounds like I was pretty scared. (laughs) That was most of the footage. (laughs) What can I say? I'm a good time at a haunted house. You are. And listen, I get it. I mean, these attractions are genuinely scary at times. The whole reason we went to this thing in the first place is because I wanted to face my fears by going to the Halloween haunted house. And I don't mean the generic holiday. I'm talking about the movie Halloween, the same movie that I was forced by my babysitter to watch with the lights off when I was five or so. So I had some trauma to confront. Oh, I know your Michael Myers trauma is real. To be fair, we were both afraid at Universal Horror Nights. Listener, you can be the judge of whether my portrayal of Amanda's fright was generally accurate. Here's a longer version of the same experience. Amanda and I clung to each other and entered the house of the killer, Michael Myers. God help me. Okay, we're heading into the Myers house. I know you're surprised, but of all things, you should expect Michael Myers. There he is again. Oh, no, he's not real. He disappeared. That's a fakie. That's a big one. There's something in that closet, don't you think? Are you, how are you doing, honey? I'm okay. Okay, was that important for you? (laughs) You know what? It was really cathartic that you were so scared because I felt like for the first time in my life, I wasn't the most scared of Michael Myers. Yeah, maybe. I transferred it onto you. So I guess I'm cured. Are you? No. All I know is I'm hungry. I want a donut. Yeah, let's go to donut. I enjoyed that, but I have to say my Universal Horror Nights days are behind me. It was us and then a bunch of teens in fishnets and heavy eyeliner. We should mention that we might not be the target audience for these events. For one thing, a major unintended draw of the theme park Halloween experience is, well, the hot and steamy hookup culture. Do you remember that, Amanda? I sure do. I did say I was a fun time at a maze. (laughs) But at these events, there is an atmosphere of edginess. And it's not exclusive to the park guests. Even the employees get in on it. Here's Scott Ackerman from our Fuzzies episode. In 1988, he was working security on the Kingdom of the Dinosaurs Dark Ride, a.k.a. the Knott's Makeout Ride. My friend, who was this very good-looking guy, had a system where he was whatever monster he was, and anytime he saw a good-looking girl, he would scare them, then take off his mask and show them he was good-looking. They'd go, oh, and he would hop in the car with them, and then he'd say, like, hey, we should go out on a date. My friend is outside working line security. Give him your number. This is like security guards at Def Leppard concerts. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) David Lee Roth pointing to girls 
girls in the crowd that he wants. <laughs> Quite often I would get like two giggly girls coming up to me and going like, hey, Dave are, said that we should talk to you and <laughs> give, give your number. And so I was like, all right, yeah, sure. And so I would, I would be fielding these things. And occasionally he'd go like, hey, we're going to double date with these people. So I remember he also, he drove a Vespa and he couldn't take it on the freeway. So a lot of these girls were from, you know, down the 91 or, or whatever. <laughs> and so he'd, he'd say to me like, hey, let's double date so I could drive him, essentially. Oh my yeah. God, this scoundrel. And I remember one of them being like, hey, let's double date. Let's go to this girl's house. And it became like, I just remember me driving him there, the other girl either not being there or not interested and him going into the other room with the girl while, while he made out with her while I watched uh, the Bengals walk like an Egyptian <laughs> video. <laughs> wow. Um, but then the other thing that I remember doing was you found out pretty quickly their backstage security was not all that tight. They were not checking IDs or anything like that. So if you showed up in all black, which is what the monsters wore, and you just kind of like breezed through the gate, um, they no one would check, right? They would just assume you were a monster. So that's what my friend Dave told me is like, oh, yeah, we could come to this if we wanted. So we both called in sick on Halloween <laughs> and went to the park. <laughs> and I remember my supervisor, me calling, going, I'm going, oh, I'm sick. And I'm going, oh, OK, just like, fuck you. He, I don't think he knew we were going to be at the park. But then me being at the park, going, God, I hope my boss doesn't see me <laughs> while I'm here. That's um, the type of scam you couldn't get away with at Disney. No, but Knott's. No. Knott's was more or less. Yeah. So then for for years, I went back doing that. So I didn't have to pay to get into it. So I would go to Not Scary Farm like for two or three years after that, just dressing all in black and wandering right in. Yeah. So that was the dream. But security at these events can be a very serious matter. Recently, a series of fights between groups of teens prompted Knott's Berry Farm to institute a policy where anyone under 18 hoping to enter the park on a Friday or Saturday night must do so with a chaperone. All right, let's get to the meat of the matter, though. Why do we like to be scared in the first place? Most theme park goers crave an escapist fairy tale adventure. So why is it that seemingly just as many, often the very same people want the opposite experience, a, a harrowing brush with death? An article in Psychology Today about horror movies by Frederick L. Coolidge, PhD, suggests that Sigmund Freud's findings may offer a hint, writing... He proposed the concept of catharsis, whereby a release of strong or oppressed emotions is therapeutic. It may be that this creation of fear and related emotions is a cathartic experience, particularly because the person voluntarily allows the horror to be induced and they are aware that they are in a safe environment. They know that the movie is not real. In our case, the theme park. No matter how fearful or shocked they become. Further, just like Freud's explanation for repeated nightmares, it is possible that watching horror movies helps us to feel that we can control situations no matter how difficult, frightening, or macabre our problems might be. So it's fun because deep down we know it's not real. Although I will say I don't trust some of those characters. Yeah, you feel like sometimes they're doing it because it's an official way for them to be who they really are. And what's to stop a serial killer from going through the audition process, starting a fake chainsaw and getting a job as a character at Universal Horror Nights? Yeah, I mean, you figure the Universal casting directors would know talent when they see it. But what about the scary attractions that some people think are real? Hands down, the scariest haunt I ever went to wasn't at a theme park. Are you talking about just a good old haunted house? Kind of. Seeing a ghost? Kind of. What? I'm talking about a hell house. 
Ah. If you're not familiar, hell houses are a scary attraction of a different sort. Typically put on by evangelical organizations, they depict scenes of sin and wickedness from the perspective of fundamental religion. Real fire and brimstone stuff. The idea was first popularized by Jerry Falwell in the late 1970s, and similar attractions began sprouting up in several regions around that time. In fact, they spread so much throughout the religious circles that a man named Keenan Roberts began selling Hell House kits as well as offering directional instruction. Hell House kits? How much? (laughs) Hell, you're living in one for free. And Matt, you've been to one. Yes. Perhaps more out of an innocent but ironic curiosity rather than a spiritual pilgrimage. Matt sat down with our friend and his brave companion at a hell house, Brandon Adams, to relive the experience. Whose idea was this? I honestly don't remember. I thought it was yours. I think it was. <laughs> um, but I was definitely into it. I think you and I were the only ones. Probably, yeah. I think we, we had to sort of coerce our friend Sarah into joining us, but uh, she was game. That's true. So none of this discussion here is to make fun of religion, but these hell houses go so far into judgment and shame that I think it's fair game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I remember is having to go through your journey through hell before you can decide what you want to do. And it was all garbage bags lining a hallway where people were like sticking their hands out. This was the only time it felt like an actual haunted house. Right. Yeah. Now it should be mentioned that you, Sarah and I attended this thing in what we thought was a covert manner by dressing as conservatively as possible, where I think I wore just like a V-neck sweater and a button up, but Sarah dressed like a full on- Like a Mennonite. I mean, she was like like Little House on the Prairie. I mean, dark drab clothing. She did not want to have sex with anyone ever. (laughs) The vibe. Not only was it a full length skirt, it had a train. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) A train to heaven. And the way this whole thing culminates is that everybody that goes on this tour ends up in a kind of heavenly atmosphere, which was just a room in a church painted sky blue. You're in a long line of people. And on the left is, you know, this door that's sort of made up to look like it's going to hell. On the right is the door made up to look like it's going to heaven. And it's, it's kind of crowded and, you're, you know, you're, you're anxious, you know, because you're at the, <laughs> the pearly gates, right? And then so you're, you're behind basically the actors. You're anxious not just because you're at the pearly gates, but you're undercover at the right. pearly gates. Right. You don't <laughs> you, know if they're on to you. Exactly. Yeah. So we're watching like the actress being interviewed by, by Peter and how to judge her basically. Um, so when he points to the, uh, the door with leading to hell, you hear these like screams and agony and stuff. And that's when we get um, into this larger room. It's like an auditorium, I guess, that they use for big events or something. The walls are sort of covered in like drapery. And there is this man, a balding man, sitting on a throne, sort of elevated platform. And not just balding with long hair on the sides, because you're, you're talking about who's playing Jesus. Here. Correct. Yeah. Short hair on the sides. Short hair. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe he lost the wig or something. We're not sure. The other thing to mention is that though Jesus was lacking what we know of typical Jesus hair and beard, he had yeah. piercing blue eyes. He had to have been cast by his piercing blue eyes. Yes, definitely. It certainly couldn't have been because of his age because he did not look 33. He had lived some years. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely someone's idea of heaven. Uh, it wasn't mine, but, you know, to each their own. But yeah, he's, he's sitting on a throne in his Jesus garb with fluffy, you know, cotton clouds sitting around him. Oh, yeah. Please <laughs> explain the um, the cherubs at his feet. He's surrounded by beautiful young men in togas. Right. And when you see this middle-aged balding man with piercing blue eyes, unless you're completely in on this vision, 
you can't help but think untoward thoughts upon them. Yes, help yes. but think something else is going on here. Even if you're just thinking it in jest, right. it's not that sinister. No. It's just the picture presented to a layman feels 100% like a free orgy. I, I, right, yes. I don't know how else to describe this or some kind of Roman bacchanalia or something. Now you say layman, but I think the word is heathen. You may be right. So we're standing in a line, and I'm not sure why we're in this line, <laughs> but it, it comes uh, immediately apparent to me that um, as I look down the line, the actor who is portraying Jesus is now going to each person and saying some sort of blessing. Looking them deep in the eyes. With yeah, with his piercing, piercing blue eyes. Yeah. And immediately a cold sweat comes over me. <laughs> me too. And These are Daniel Craig eyes. <laughs> <laughs> they are pretty. Matt, I think you had a thing for him, it sounds like. You could do a lot worse than falling <laughs> in love with Jesus. That's a good point. That's a good point. So we're standing there and I mean, we're, we're close to the end. So I have enough time, I think, to kind of figure <laughs> out what my game plan is for this. The countdown is ticking. Right, right. He's coming our way. And maybe it's a metaphor, you know. Oh, um, but <laughs> but uh, luckily or unluckily, Matt is in front of me. So he gets to Jesus first. He's saying it's something about, you know, like, you know, the general blessed are you, you know, like, thank you for coming and just things like that. Yeah. And like, hope you're doing okay. I don't, I don't really remember what he said, but it's, yeah. you know, it's because my mind is racing. Like, I'm not really even paying attention. I'm just trying to think of like, try to think of something nice to say or play the part. Right. right. But, but Matt has other plans. <laughs> Jesus comes to him and, and says <laughs> something like, you know, God bless you. <laughs> and then Matt says, you bless you. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning, but I didn't mean it ironically. I meant it like, Jesus, right. you're always blessing other people. Right. How about you get blessed? Yeah, yeah. Have it, take, take some for yourself. Oh, you know? God. And the look in his piercing <laughs> blue eyes was, right. he'd never, no. never been faced with that before. No. The actor and I, probably Jesus. Probably not. But thank you, Matt, for doing that because I lost complete... <laughs> Composure. Uh, I mean, I just, it was the worst thing. I'm surprised they didn't force us to go through the hell door. <laughs> so there you have it. From regular folk to superstars like Taylor Swift, people like to be scared by theme park employees and clown masks, by morality tales of sin and degradation. Whatever your thing is, there's something out there to make you jump. For me, it's Michael Myers. Grow a spine, you wussy. <laughs> Next episode, the perils and pitfalls of being a theme park guest. Join us, won't you? Go behind the scenes of Keys to the Kingdom with eight full-length bonus companion episodes featuring numerous extended and never-before-heard interviews as well as loads of hot theme park gossip. Plus, get all regular Keys to the Kingdom episodes ad-free as they release. Simply click the link in the show description. Keys to the Kingdom was created, written, produced, edited, and hosted by Amanda Lund and Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Erios, Matt Gorley, and Amanda Lund. Mixed and mastered by Brett Morris. Associate produced by Alex Paul. Sound design and artwork by Matt Gorley. Production coordination by Alex Paul and Crystal Dinsberg. Special thanks to Veronica Taylor, Tim Ruggieri, Tatiana Matias at Acast, and Martha Little, Amor Yates, and Nicholas Sotomayor at Audible. If you have a story about working at a theme park, email us at themeparkhotline at gmail.com and we might use it for a future episode or season. Keys to the Kingdom is an Erios production in conjunction with Tradecraft Media.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 